So you're an attorney and you've decided to go out on your own. Now what? You need a plan and you're not alone. Join expert host Adriana Linares and her distinguished guests on New Solo. Tune into the lively conversation as they share insights and information about how to successfully run your law firm here on Legal Talk Network. Well, it's time for another episode of New Solo on Legal Talk Network. I'm Adriana Linares, the legal technology trainer and consultant. I love helping lawyers and law firms use technology better. Before we get started, I want to make sure and thank our sponsors. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-1 or online at answerone.com. And that's at www.answerthenumber1.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Clio. Clio's cloud-based practice management software makes it easy to manage your law firm from intake to invoice. Try it for free at clio.com. And that's C-L-I-O.com. Law Clerk, it's where attorneys hire freelance lawyers. There are no sign-up or monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Increase your profits, not your overhead. Learn more at lawclerk.legal and make sure you use a rebate they sent us for $300 after your first project. Use the code NEWSOLO300. Want to make sure and also thank courtfiling.net. E-file court documents with these in California, Illinois, Indiana, and Texas. If you file in Los Angeles Superior Court, you know that e-filing has recently become mandatory and courtfiling.net is there to help. All right, let's get started. I am so excited about the guests I have today. They are a unique twist on the type of guests that we usually have, which are always great lawyers, solo practitioners, or product and services built for lawyers that we like. Today, I've got a powerhouse team. So on to our guests, which I'm very excited to be talking to today. Uh, I'll let you all introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Renee Stackhouse. I'm a solo practitioner here in San Diego with Stackhouse APC, and I practice personal injury, military, and criminal defense. And I'm Phil Stackhouse, and I'm a sole proprietor, sole practitioner, and I practice military law in San Diego. Wow. Is it coincidence that you guys have the same last name? That's wild, right? It's so crazy, because it's not like a Smith and a Smith. It's a Stackhouse and a Stackhouse. Yeah. <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> <laughs> so I, well, it would I be mean, really weird considering the way you two are looking at each other if it was totally coincidental. So let's let the cat out of the bag. We're married. <laughs> I stole his last name. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So you're married. You're both lawyers. Do you live together? Sometimes. Most of the time. <laughs> he travels a lot for Good. work, but most of the time, uh, yes, we do. We, we uh, live together and we practice in the same space as well. Good. We're going to get to that because I think that's a very cool and interesting part of the two of you. So, it, you know, to give our guests a little bit of background, I work part-time at the San Diego County Bar and I get to come out here one week out of every month. And I've become close friends with Renee Stackhouse, who's been um, doing podcasts with me on the road. She's You are a member of the board here at the SDCBA. Very, very active, not only on the board, but in the legal community. And through our work together... I met your very handsome and adorable husband. And I was like, what? You guys are married and you practice. And so I hadn't had anyone on the show before, a couple. So I really thought it'd be fun to talk to you about how you manage work, life, a brand new. Well, he's not that new, a baby. He's two. He's two. I mean, in the world of humans, he's a new human, but he's not like the newest of humans. 
So yeah, so I just wanted to sort of talk to you two about how you do that and how you manage that. So let's get a little background. Okay. Um, how long have you been married? <laughs> Trick question. Yeah, I know. So the problem is that we got married on the 18th and our son was born on the 20th, not of the same month, but because they're two days apart, we're always going which one's which. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So it was July 18th, 18th 2017. 2017, right. And your baby was born two days before that? He was born <laughs> January 20th, <laughs> 2017. Yeah. So say, wow, a little late to the shotgun thing, guys. Yeah. Okay. So what'd you say, 2017? Yeah. Two years. Yeah. Or your anniversary is coming up. Oh, awesome. It's basically forever. In, in marriage years, yeah, in, marriage in years. 2019, that's, you know, are that's you? That's a lot. Yeah, it's kind of a lot. In Hollywood years, we've made it. <laughs> so true. In Hollywood years, you've totally made it. So how'd you meet? And how did you, were you two separate lawyers, two separate firms? Give us the background. Okay. You want to go first? Uh, sure. So we met in 2012, I think. Yeah. At the... Spence Trial Lawyers College, where Renee was going through the course, and I was one of the instructors. Oh, uh, law nerds. Yeah, but we didn't okay. really, oh, you know, total law nerds, yeah. trial lawyer nerds. Yeah, big yeah. time. Um, but, but we didn't really kinda, talk. Just kind of cross paths. He was very grumpy back then. Uh, oh, I, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, well, a lot of lawyers are grumpy, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> and then cross paths again, like, four years later. Okay. Yeah, reunited because uh, he actually reached out. He had a former client who had gone through the legal process in the military and wanted to now go to law school oh, and become interesting. a lawyer. Uh-huh. And uh, I was very active on the board, the alumni board for my law school. And so he got in touch with me to ask if I could show her around the law school and we wow. kind of reconnected. Took him that long to figure out the right excuse to call you up? Yes, it was wow. a really long time. Gosh, Phil, slow mover. <laughs> and uh, then reconnected again at, at Trialors College. Right. When I got on staff, he was my mentor. Oh, how so, cool. Boom. Great. So you already had a lot of same interests, same passions, and then thankfully, uh, love blossomed. Yeah. That's right. great. I love that. And are you both from San Diego? Give us a little bit of your back background. So I'm originally from like a lifetime ago from Indiana. Oh, and wow. Way I, out there. I enlisted in the Marines when I was 18, and I traveled around to different states and different countries for 22 years and wow. retired. He's barred in like five or six different states. Oh, yeah. Other than California yet. I got one We're of those. We're going to work on California next. You um, like to collect bar licenses, as I say. Right. Yeah. He, right. he likes to spend his money on bar dues. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so uh, and then I retired in North Carolina. Then I moved to Virginia. Then I moved to Colorado. Then I moved to California. But your, your professional background is fascinating mm-hmm. from the military side. So how did you go to law school? So I was an enlisted guy for nine years, and the Marine Corps sent me to school to finish my bachelor's degree, and I was an infantry officer after that, and I applied for a program, and the Marine Corps allowed me to go to law school. And so after I finished law school, I spent about four years as a lawyer, and then they sent me to get my Master of Laws in military law with a criminal law specialty. Cool. Cool. And then I finished up my last two years and retired. Well, he's forgetting to mention he was also sworn in as a judge, right? Right. And I went to, uh, I got sworn and certified as a judge at one point. In the military? In the military. Huh. I have so many questions. <laughs> I want to go back one. Did you want to be a lawyer or did you say, well, they're going to pay for this and this seems like a good profession and I could do cool things because I've got this military background? Or what were you thinking when the opportunity presented itself? So my stepdad was a lawyer when I was in high school, and I always thought it was an amazing profession. And I, you know, watched him from afar and saw the service that he gave to his clients. And it was very, I guess, interesting, for lack of a better term. And 
while I was in the Marine Corps, I thought that I might like to do that. And after I got commissioned, I thought, well, when I retire, I'm going to go to law school. And so as I was moving along through my career, I had the opportunity to apply to go to law school while I was on active duty. So I did that. And I thought, well, if I can get in, I'll get yeah. in. And then I won't have to go to law school when I get out. Awesome. And so that's how it turned out. So let me back up and ask you, you mentioned uh, you went to law school and you went military law was a focus and then criminal law. Why is that a focus in the military? It seems to me like that's not where crimes happen. They do happen often. <laughs> and it's, We're going to get know, to that. But oh my goodness. That's not where I would imagine crimes to happen. That should be like the crime-free zone. As, as we say, as civilian lawyers, uh, we say it's bad for morale, but good for business. <laughs> um, so after I had been a lawyer for about four years, I went to Charlottesville, Virginia, to the Army Judge Advocate General Legal Center and School. And they have an ABA-certified LLM program there. Cool. And while you're there, you can specialize in in different areas. And so I had a criminal law specialty. Others have procurement specialties, international law or operational law specialties, and everybody kind of niches. And so I niched in criminal law because that's where my experience was. I can tell Renee is not happy with either something you're leaving out or not saying. So I'm going to let her step in. Well, so here's the thing I'm not happy about. You're so funny that you're picking up on this because <laughs> when I had insomnia last night, I was like, oh, you know what I should do? I should get an LLM in military law. That would be great. I oh. should totally do that in my spare time. Sure. You have nothing better to do. They don't offer it for civilians. You're you're literally, oh. unless you work for the DOJ as a civilian, you are literally not allowed to go get this LLM. And so I just feel slighted. And that was a brilliant move on his part. Right? Because yeah. he has this amazing specialization. Yeah. So it's incredible. I That's think. really neat. Um, very, very smart man. Now that we've bragged on Phil enough, Renee, why'd you go to law school? Oh, well, so the long and short of it is a coin flip. Um, my <laughs> Law my, school or braiding hair on the beaches in Mexico? Close. Yeah. It, close. It was an MBA or law school. Okay. I um, My grandparents raised me, and when my grandfather passed away, he'd been the sole breadwinner for the family for uh, my grandmother's whole life, and, and he did a better job. I had worked on Camp Pendleton um, my whole life. Because you're so, a San Diegan. I am. I'm a, I'm a San Diego girl. And I'd been born and, you know, raised in the military uh, in different branches. So I'd worked on Pendleton since I graduated high school. And I knew I needed to step it up a little bit. So I flipped a coin and heads was law school. Tails was an MBA. It landed heads. I took the LSAT. Excellent. Amazing. And you're very active in the community. So the way you support people is far beyond what you do with legal. And I want you to talk about that just a little bit. I mean, not far beyond legal, but I mean, you do things outside of just being a lawyer. You're an advocate. You're, you're a safe place. Oh, I love that. I love that you saw that. That's very cool. So I, I didn't know lawyers growing up, and I didn't know if I would like being a lawyer. And I was really, really fortunate that I loved law school. I'm one of those weirdos. Just law loved, nerd. Loved, loved, total law nerd. I loved law school. I loved being a lawyer. But uh, one of the things that I see all the time in my experience has been that it's not a very diverse profession, and it's not a very innovative profession most of the time. And so I think it's really important to make sure that we as current lawyers help the next generation of lawyers be more accessible, be more comfortable, and just have a pipeline for being lawyers. So I love that. I'm a strong women's advocate, a strong LGBT advocate. A, um, you know, I, I want to see the lawyers and the judges look like the community. Yeah. And they don't right now, but we're working on it. We'll get there. So when you two met and started dating and decided to, you know, go to the next level, you had separate practices in separate offices? We have always had separate practices. And um, still do. And still do. Okay. 
and still do. And I don't know if you want to talk about it now, but it's a money thing, right? Like he does what he does with his money. I do what I do with my money. No, I think that's important for people to hear that. Happy marriage. Okay, good. (laughs) When you've got two lawyers, like how do two lawyers, you know, survive a two lawyer marriage? (laughs) It's hard sometimes. And when I moved to California, I didn't have an office space, but in Renee's, yeah, I was homeless. (laughs) Um, But Renee had an open office and her suite of offices. Excellent, sure. And they had an open office and the building that she owns. So I- Wormed his way I, in. I, I snuck, I snuck, Became a subtenant. I snuck, I, he started bringing sorta, stuff. I just started bringing stuff and started storing stuff and then <laughs> oh, that's got, awesome. put an office chair in. And you were like, hey, thing, you, know, you, ready was, for, uh, you ready for lunch, honey? Oh, by the way, do you mind if I just move this comfy <laughs> office chair in? Oh, this empty office? Yeah. Great. And then next day he was like, oh, this pencil holder ended up on that empty desk where my chair is. Yeah. Okay. Then I'm, you know, putting the website back up and I like need an address and I, you know, can Somewhere I use, mail. can I use this address <laughs> yeah. to, you know, for my, and then the next thing you know, we're in the same suite of offices and. Decided know, to roll with it because it was decided, working. Because yeah. it works. Right. It does. And you have a son. We do. Gabriel Lewis, Jonathan Stackhouse. The most adorable little nugget. I think so. Yeah. So you have an office space downtown, and I know you've got Gabriel in a daycare center nearby in a very cool place. So tell us a little bit about, you know, just commuting to work with the child in the car, dropping the child off, the whole where you drop, you know, that whole side of your life is also an important part of your lives. So I'll just tell you that it is way more work than I ever could have possibly believed (sighs) because women don't talk about how difficult it is to (laughs) be pregnant, have a baby, take care of a said child while you are practicing law and or being a trial lawyer, it's insane. And women don't talk about that. And yet they do it all day. And, and they do every it. Every day without complaining. They just get it done. It is it is gnarly. And I have so much respect yeah. for the women who've pulled it off before me because I was blown away by by how tough it is. But you know, you get the you get the kid up, which is a struggle all in itself. <laughs> and are we talking about Phil or Gabriel here? <laughs> Sometimes both. Okay. <laughs> so sometimes it takes both. But I, I just want to say, so, you know, Renee's talking about how hard it is and, you know, women don't talk about it. So I'll talk about it for a second. And then we'll come back and hit just the, you know, sort of how the day-to-day is. But, you know, Gabriel was born at the end of January 2017. And in sort of the middle of April of 2017, so not even three months from when he was born, Renee started a two-week jury trial in Los Angeles, 100 miles from where we live, and was in court from 8 in the morning till 5 at night, and then we would eat lunch, you know, during the day together outside the courthouse, and then we would take an hour after we got back to the hotel, and then she would oh my gosh. she would work and breastfeed at the same time um, until midnight, and then sleep for a little while, get up early breastfeed, work some more, and then go to court the next morning. And she did that for two weeks straight. So the, Crazy. I mean, it's, it's hard work, but you know, she's amazing. She is. Uh, yeah. Nice. But so, I mean, just with that as a. Were you watching this just going there? There's nothing I saw in the military as amazing as what this woman is doing. No, there is nothing. Yeah. And and what she does now, even later, you know, teaching judges about the trials and tribulations of being a woman in court so that they can open their eyes up to mm-hmm. what it's like is a whole nother story. You could probably do a whole nother podcast on. But yeah, so and I mean, our, will. our life is pretty awesome. You know, we get up, I get up really early usually. 
And then we get Gabriel together and he goes and has breakfast with his great grandma Mm -hmm. and we get ready for work and we pile into the car and commute for an hour to an hour and a half. Southern California. You guys are, what, two miles away from here, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right, right. That's that's how long it takes, I know. And then he goes to daycare, and we work, and And, then— And he's—we're really lucky. He's in daycare in the federal building, in the federal court (laughs) building. And so it's a super secure, you know, yeah. amazing place where he goes what and he luxury. loves school. It is complete luxury. Yeah. And yeah. so we're really lucky to have that. And they have him all day long and we try to lawyer really, really hard while they have him. And then we try to be done as soon as we pick him up so that we can be present and around for all the amazing things he does every single day. Right. And so we try to do that. Yeah. We yeah. don't always succeed. I'm just right. going to throw that out there. We are I mean, not perfect. Just yesterday, we were all on our way for a quick drink before you had to pick up Gabriel when you witnessed a lime biker getting oh struck gosh. by a car. And that, to- I mean, just when we're trying to get drinks, there the two of you are with your superhero capes on. And being it- lawyers. Being lawyers. <laughs> all right. Somebody document this. Okay. Tell the cops everything that happened. Okay. Put your foot up. It's swelling. Uh, <laughs> no, don't move. No, you don't need to apologize. It's not your fault. <laughs> you know, wow. it's crazy. Well, listen, before we move on to our next segment and talk a little bit about how you share office space and manage that part of your lives, let's take a quick break and listen to a message from some sponsors. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a first year to perform legal research or a seasoned attorney to assist with a complicated appellate brief, Law Clerk has hundreds of freelance lawyers with every level of experience and expertise. There are no sign-up or monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set Increase your profits, not your overhead. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With intuitive time tracking, billing, and matter management, Clio streamlines everything you do to run your practice from intake to invoice. Try Clio for free and then get a 10% discount for your first six months when you sign up with the code NEWSOLO10. That's new solo one zero, and do that at Clio.com, C-L-I-O.com. All right, we're back with Phil Stackhouse and Renee Stackhouse, the Stackhouses. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about your personal lives, and I appreciate you sharing all that. I know that um, other lawyers really appreciate hearing how lawyers live their lives and, and manage everything, and it's often inspiring and helpful for them, so I really appreciate you sharing that. What about the office life? So you, I think when Phil was sneaking into an office space, it's not the office space that you're in now, right? So you moved? We have, we've, so I had a long-term lease in a downtown office and uh, we've moved quite a bit, more than I like. I'm not a mover. Right. I, I find a place, I put down roots. You're a and hoarder. That's, it. that's why I'm Just in San Diego all, still. Yeah. Yes, I am. I don't move. Unlike my, my amazing partner who is used to moving every three seconds. Oh, right. right. Military so, life. Sure. But we finally found a, a home now that we're in, and we're and now I get to work on making it the forever home downtown, which I really love. It's in an old building, and so we get that old building mm-hmm. feel, and it's definitely not law firmy. We don't and like being law firmy. No, well, you're not law firmy. Yeah. And do you have staff? Do you have other office space? Like, how, so you kept your practices technically separated, but you're physically sharing space. So tell us a little bit about how you do that. Who, how do you pay the bills? How do you split the bills? Do you have one receptionist? Do you have no receptionist? Are you each other's receptionist? Wow. Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, so you start. So my office is growing a little bit and I have an associate now um, who helps do really all of the legal work that we do in the office. But a lot of the stuff we do is, I don't know, service-based, right? So we have 
an answering service that picks up the calls that come in through the website. And we have a cloud-based and desk-based What's well, an IP, a VoIP phone, right? Uh-huh, so we yeah. use Ring Central, is Excellent. what I use in my phone or for my phone service. And it also rolls to my answering service if it's not picked up within, um, you know, three rings or five rings, depending on what's going on. And do you have that also set up on your phone, right? So Ring Central has a soft phone. Do you, so you have your phone with you all the time. Right. And you also have backup. I imagine you click on the Ring Central app and send it to voicemail, and then it goes to your answering service. It goes to the answering okay, service. Great. And I also have it on my computer. So if I'm sitting on my desk, I can have a headphone on, and I wherever can, you are, right? I can take you know notes in my you know the notes section of my Clio yep. um, client management, and you know same thing. We have potential new client calls come in. We enter it straight into Lexicata. It's not like I'm you know. A, Wow, what? Whoa, Phil, I had no idea like this I'm, was like going I, on. Yeah, like I'm selling products. But, you know, <laughs> we, use, we use Lexicata no. to, you know, control our potential clients through the pipeline. Everything gets put into Lexicata. You know, I don't know, 90% or 95% of our paperwork is all cloud-based. Excellent. So we use Dropbox for business. Uh-huh. Um, scan snaps for scanning, or we have Canon uh, copiers that also scan as well. And, and as you're saying we, are you meaning Phil Stackhouse Law Firm? Phil Stackhouse. Okay, firm. got yeah. it. Just making um, sure I, yeah. I'm and with then, you. And then we're trying, you know, hopefully to grow a little bit more because business is picking up and picking up and picking up. This is the military. It's just crime after crime. Yeah, a little bit. Huh. A little so, bit. No. And my my okay. goal is to, since he's more adaptable to change, is I make him try everything first. And then if it works and he likes it, I'm like, okay, cool. That works <laughs> now, for me. Now I know. And he can show me, which is which is fun and exciting, um, unless I bring home the tips from working with you. And then I'm like, hey, I learned this. Check this out. <laughs> so, so that's totally true. Like she comes back and says, hey, what about this? I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I'm going to check that out. <laughs> I love that. Got so, your, you've got your pig. tech guinea pig. <laughs> and do you have, Renee, um, staff, receptionist, or do you are you a true solo? I'm a true solo. Um, we've talked about, I think maybe the next step will be us splitting a an admin. Sure. So a paralegal slash receptionist, uh, because that's a great way to do it. Yeah. It makes it really affordable. But I have, I think like many lawyers, delegation issues. I have a hard, hard time delegating. I want to do everything. And uh, yet, but and the, yet the problem can't. is- You just can't do it. Well, I was going to say, and yet you do do everything, which is why you find it hard to delegate because somehow you manage to get it all done. So you just keep saying to yourself- I don't need help. I keep getting it all done. Yeah. Stop doing that. Yeah. Um, Tell me about simple, practical things like who has the lease, who pays the rent. How do you, do you split that? Is it? So what we have right now, because there's two offices. So I uh, am part of an LLC that owns the building that we're in in North County. Um, And so since I own that, that's kind of my domain. Um, I, it's my style. It's my, um, my monkey basically. Okay. Right. I cover those costs. And then the office downtown, Phil's got covered, and he handles that. So each of us kind of pay for and maintain and, and are in control of the style and design of, the, of each office. Got it. That's yeah. great. That's very cool. And it's it's really fun that way. He's, I think, a little bit more giving and letting me bring my design style to his office right. than like I am. Right. His looks like a man cave, and <laughs> yours looks like the Dylan masculine. Candy Bar. Mine's all Dia de los Muertos, um, like old school, very cool, um, homey feeling, and his is very rustic red walls, manly. So, yeah. It's like the shirt barn came in and designed it. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. No, I love that. And um, Renee, what do you use for your technology? 
Well, so I'm exploring and expanding, but Cleo's been amazing. So I use Good. Cleo for the law practice. Um, I am on the fence, and, and you're really swaying me with all the things you've been saying about having a um, like a Ruby receptionist type of. Sure. Uh, yeah. I need one of those. I need one of those. The spam calling has gotten insane on cell phones. You know, I'm a Ruby customer. And I have to say from a customer experience, it's really good and worth it. But the main thing, like the number one reason that I love them is when a solicitor calls, they will say, oh, please take us off the calling list. You don't need to call here again. So that was a selling point when you showed. Aside from actually just answering the calls very professionally. So I, I love having virtual or outsourced receptionists. Ruby is great. Answer One is a sponsor for the podcast. And I know a lot of law firms are starting to use them too. So um, that's great. Okay. So can I say something about Oh, that? please, by all means. So one of, the, one of the things that I was looking for that I found that I thought was really important and as a solo, especially is I loved Ruby receptionists when I was looking for a different call service to go around. The reason that it didn't work for me was because they only had certain times that they answered the phone. Sure. So it wasn't a 24-hour yep. service. important. And we have clients, from my practice anyway, around the world. So, you know. They need to call they, at midnight. They need, they need to call at midnight. It's better for us to have somebody that answers the phone from a business perspective. Yes. Because they at least develop a little bit of relationship with the answering service who does not really doing sales, but they take some information mm-hmm. and they – they say, you know, you train hey, them you know, on what questions little, to ask. A little bit, you know. There's some onboarding that goes on, yeah, and then it keeps them from going to the next, next you know, the person. next person on on Google, of course, because they've got some they've got some buy-in already, and important. so that was that was a super important thing. And I think also from a one of the practical reasons, people say, well, why? But it's four hundred dollars a month. That's a lot of money, and I love the clients. But when they call and ask you what the weather is like, <laughs> that, that, that little bit of uh-huh. a weight that they have to do to go through the answering service, it keeps those calls away. And so they really only call you and go through the extra step of talking to the answering service to get to you when, when it's, it's a legal when, question. When it's a legal question. So you're, it's call. almost a qualified lead by the time it gets there. Not only a qualified lead, but for, for current clients as well. Oh, like they, yeah. won't, they, won't, they, they don't want to go through the trouble of going through the answering service if, unless it's an important phone call. Got yeah. it. So they won't just call to ask you what the weather is. <laughs> and they do. And do you want to tell us who you use, who you I, found I that answer, you? I use Answer Connect. Oh, Answer Connect is the and, name and of that they one. they also do a, a zap tie-in through Lexicata uh-huh. and... And it all ties Excellent. them together. Oh. It's very nice. Phil, you're very techie. He's super techie. I had no idea yeah. I was getting a techie on the podcast too. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And then we follow up. We've been using Zoom a lot lately Mm -hmm. for the in-person kind of feel to the meetings that are for clients that are so far away. You know, I had an attorney come in to see me on Wednesday who's a mediator, and she wanted to use Zoom for mediations plus the breakout rooms, which I had heard of and no one had. So, you know, it's very easy to figure out. But I showed her. She was there while I learned how they work. It was just a, a click inside your Zoom settings, and then you can take whoever is on the call and break them out into a separate video or phone conference. So yeah, Zoom is really the leader right now in conferencing and video conferencing and HD connections. It's great. It's $15 a month right now for the lowest service, which for most attorneys, it's more than enough. It's so easy too. I mean, you don't need to be techie to use it. And the one-click like it has a thing where you just click on the link and you join the meeting. You don't have to worry about putting all the numbers. Oh, in, which that's is my favorite huge, thing. That's yeah, the best. That's yeah. great. We have a case right now where there's six co-counsel in the case, and on Fridays we do a Zoom conference, and it is markedly different 
doing video yes. with six people on the screen than it is you're trying to talk over each other in a conference call. So it is it is great. I love it. Any other tech tips you want to make sure we mention before we move on to our next segment? Because it's going to be my most exciting segment. Oh, your most exciting? Oh, yeah. No, oh I, I have been waiting for three days to get to <laughs> segment three of this podcast. Let's get there then. <laughs> Why would we hold off any longer? Okay, let's just hold off for a couple more minutes <laughs> while we hear some sponsor messages. That's a good reason to hold off. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 1-800-ANSWER-ONE or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. Courtfiling.net, your solution for electronic filing in California, Illinois, Indiana, and Texas. Courtfiling.net provides a better e-filing experience so you can spend more time helping clients. Because they know that work sometimes happens after hours, Courtfiling.net offers 24-7 phone, email, and chat support. Visit them at Courtfiling.net to receive 30 days of unlimited free electronic filings and see how you too can e-file court documents with ease. Those are exciting, but not as exciting as in segment three is going to be about Bum, 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 military law. Oh, military law. So you two have a really fascinating area of practice. And I think San Diego is such a neat community. So remember, I don't live here. I just come into, I flow into town one week out of the month, and then I go back to the Southeast. And uh, we're, we've got a whole world of interesting law practices. But I think San Diego is amazing because you've got the border right here. Literally, I can see it. I mean, forget about Alaska out your backyard. I'm literally looking at Mexico from here. And I'm also looking at military ships out the window. So this community is really interesting from an immigration perspective and all that the military community brings into the city. So the two of you uh, have separate law firms, but share cases sometimes. We do. And tell me about what types of cases do you share? Are they the military cases or any kind or specific kinds where your experiences cross over well? So, wow. So a whole lot of great questions. Um, for the most part, we've shared military cases. When he did not live here, um, he pro-hocked in on a federal court case that we did together, which was fun. But now that he lives here, that's not an option anymore. You can pro-hock, right? Yeah. So that's okay. Um, but now we do military cases together. Uh, and uh, they range from anything from a drug pop. What does that mean? It uh, means uh, military guys, even in California where it's legal to smoke marijuana, mm -hmm. can still not smoke oh, marijuana. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, and if they are given a random drug test and it comes up positive, so it pops, oh. uh, then... Yeah, they get in trouble. Uh, so it can be from anything like that to uh, the work crimes cases that we're currently working on that Phil, um, they're Phil's cases that he's invited me to participate in. Now, Phil, you're kind of famous in the military law world. Renee, brag on him a minute. He's he's just, um, he's turning red. He, he cannot even handle this. Yeah, he's the same color as his shirt right now. So I'm I'm really proud of him. He represents uh, men and women who are charged with some horrific crimes, and he has probably four or five of the biggest uh, ongoing military cases in the country right now. Uh, he's handled some very high-profile cases. He does an amazing job 
protecting people's rights and making sure that they get uh, a fair hearing, due process, and he's gotten some incredible results with what he does. Um, he handles tough cases, and it's not just the war crimes, which are obviously very divisive in the community, but, you know, things, child pornography, which are tough, yeah. tough cases, assault cases, which are tough, tough cases, all of them are very emotionally charged. Tell me what a war crime is. Phil, war crime specialist. So it, it, it can vary, but I, I will tell you predominantly what you see in the military, what they characterize as war crimes is the illegal killing of usually a combatant. So it has much more to do with why the person was killed and how the person was killed. There's certainly some other cases that cross the sort of threshold of what they would call war crimes when, you know, there's mutilation of bodies and, and things like that that happen sometimes wow. as well. That's, that is emotional and tough. And you're, you know, I can't imagine as a civilian, I have so much respect for anyone in the military that when they get in trouble, now you're really, there must be all kinds of emotions that you have to deal with. Well, there is, and especially in, you know, what we're, you know, what we're calling war crimes cases, the, you know, the United States puts these men and women in the most difficult situations that you could ever imagine right. and asks them to do the most difficult things that you could ever imagine. And so sometimes, not always, but sometimes, you know, people have a difficult time doing that, you know, doing what's asked of them. Uh -huh. And maybe they want to rebel. Maybe they don't want to do it. Well, Does that happen? We spend, we, the military spend an extraordinary amount of time dehumanizing mm -hmm. our enemies, which allows us to engage the enemy in you know a very violent way, um, it there, there is not kill them. to kill them. I mean, yeah. it is it is a situation where you you cannot stop and think, wow, this is a human being. I'm getting ready to shoot. Uh, that I'm getting ready to kill. Uh, whether it be, I mean, you hear this all the time that you know we're we're shooting down aircraft. Well, you're killing the pilots in the other aircraft, right? And so we, we forget, spend, and we forget right. about that. Or just it's so normal now to hear things like that. That that part falls. That, that's right. To the but, wayside. You know, we, we kill tanks. Right. Well, there's yeah. five. There's five people in the tank that are being killed, and they're too. probably parents, or you know, parents, obviously brothers, the children, sisters. right? And so, and we do the same thing. I mean, that's why you hear so many derogatory terms for the enemy combatants on the battlefield mm. because it dehumanizes them. And sometimes, when people hit a certain point mentally, physically, yeah. um, for for whatever reason, they may do things that are beyond what is allowed. Or alternatively. There's somebody in the United States who is second-guessing the conduct when they weren't there. They don't know the situation. They mm -hmm. weren't involved. They haven't lost their their friends, you know. Or watch their friends. Right, exactly. Die. And they're second-guessing what a decision someone had to make in a split second. I mean, you think about the things that we do just on a day-to-day -day without all that pressure and all that world just weighing down on you. And then, I mean— you know what I mean? It, it is unbelievable. And the thing that gets me, like with, uh, you know, Eddie's case, I mean, how many times was he deployed? Eight. Eight. Eight times. You know, you go, you get sent over. Okay, congratulations. You lived through it. You weren't maimed. Oh, okay, great. Now go, go back. back. And do that eight times. And imagine what that does to you. I can't. And then there's also the, the other thing that happens is when you're in that kind of, you know, super kinetic combat environment, if somebody wants to allege something against you because they don't like you, it's very difficult to defend against. Sure. You know, somebody can very easily say he killed somebody that he shouldn't have killed. 
last week, last month, last year? How do you prove that you didn't do it? And the amazing thing is the government doesn't say, well, there's no body, so we can't go forward with it. They just say, well, you still killed him. Prove wow. you didn't. You know, that type of thing. It's crazy to me. Like there, there are cases where there's murder allegations, but no body. That's amazing. They don't even know. There's no autopsy. There's how nothing. do you and how do they find you? Are you how did how does someone who's in trouble in the military get help? Do they even know that there are lawyers willing to help them that can help them? Because I'm sure they're it's not like oh here we're going to sue you and here's a list of lawyers that will help you. Yeah. So there, every military member that gets in trouble mm -hmm. that gets charged with a crime gets assigned a military lawyer to assist them, mm -hmm. and they have the ability to ask for an additional lawyer to be assigned to them as well you know, sort of like a public defender. And then you can hire a civilian counsel at your own expense to represent you as and well. And is that you? Are you civilian counsel? And that's right. Both so of you? we would okay. be civilian counsel. Mm -hmm. And what you get sometimes in that regard is you get somebody that's more experienced. So unfortunately, a lot of the military attorneys, and, and some of them are absolutely brilliant rock stars. Rock stars. Hmm. Where you run into some problems is they don't have the opportunity to spend an extraordinary amount of time in the defense of other service members. You become very experienced, sort of, you know, you get, you get the moniker an experienced military defense attorney if you do maybe four to six years wow. um, doing this and have, you know, 10 trials or, or 15 trials under your belt. You're a very experienced military attorney. Now, you compare that to, you know, someone who has practiced, you know, federal criminal defense in, in the U.S. district courthouses around the country for 40 years and have 250 trials under their belt. There's a huge difference. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking about like a, a federal public defender. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So a lot of times they, they will if they're charged with serious offenses and sometimes even offenses that are not so serious, but they, they need to be successful in their case to protect their career they'll go outside their military council and retain a civilian council to help represent them. One of the other things we see too, which is um, frustrating, is that in the military, you transition between being a defense counsel and being a uh, prosecutor. You go back and forth. So you'll wear both hats during your career. Is this in military court? Yes. Because there's a whole other world of yeah, courts that the average court. person forgets or doesn't even know about, yeah. actually. Most I didn't the, know, obviously. Most of the bases have their own me. courts. And uh -huh. so... But they wear the same hats. You know, they, they go back and forth. Yeah. So you can get a defense attorney who just finished being a prosecutor and their brain's in prosecutor mode, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so they'll tell you all the reasons why you should take the deal. It's such a great deal instead of fight the deal. Let's fight. Right? Yeah. Fight, the, fight the charges. Don't be, you know, don't, don't fall to the charges. So it, it's tough. And they're great lawyers, but sometimes it helps when people bring us in and we can say, look, we're not wearing rank and we're not yeah. wearing a uniform and we have a little bit more pushback we can give. Can you tell us about a cool case that you've had? A fun case? <laughs> Phil's had so many cool cases. Is there like cases. a weird cool case? What's a weird military Romanian law? rock star. Oh, yeah. Romanian rock star. And what was the other one you mentioned the other day? Um, <clears throat> oh, it was the Osprey investigation. Phil led the Osprey investigation. Oh, tell us. Tell us. Uh, tell us everything. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> they in April of 2000, there was uh, an Osprey that crashed in Arizona. And you don't mean the bird, the, no, the second uh, largest no, bird no. in Florida, Osprey. No, no, no. Okay. It's, it's a MV-22. I love that you knew that. You know, Tilt rotor aircraft that flies like a helicopter and can fly like a propelled airplane um, that crashed. And when those kind of huge mishaps happen, where you know many people die and you know uh, tens of millions of dollars worth of aircraft burn, they complete two investigations. One's called the safety investigation, which is purely looking for 
you know, reasons why, you know, including, phys- you know, uh, uh, pilot reasons why a crash may have happened. So there's a privilege between all the interviews and all the interviewers. Hmm. Um, and then there's a, a command investigation that happens as well. So I was detailed as an investigator and legal advisor to the command investigation. So we ran a concurrent investigation that lasted, gosh, I think it lasted for about four and a half months. I had 25,000 pages of evidence that was attached to it that we distilled down to about a 140-page report hmm. to, you know, present to the Marine Corps leadership about, you know, why we believed this aircraft crashed and what opinions that we had and recommendations that we had to try to avoid uh, mishaps like that in the future. Yeah. And what was the bottom line? They're not safe. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, opinions. Right. I mean, they have they have hundreds of them flying right now. I wouldn't fly in one. So we took twenty five thousand uh, pages worth down to two words: not safe. Yeah. Okay. And, and so, and we were very firm in our conviction and our uh, our opinions about some things that needed to be changed in the aircraft. And there was some pushback in the reporting that we did. Hmm, sounds and, familiar but, these days. But yeah, and we, you know, we stood our ground, and and we really felt like if another plane crashed, and we had changed our report, that, you know, it would be very hard to live with ourselves. Oh. And so we, you know, we didn't change anything. In our report, other people changed it, but our our original report stood. And probably six months later, another one crashed. Wow. And that created a huge stand down and they went a little bit, you know, for lack of a better term, they went back to the drawing board on a lot of the safety parameters that they were going to um, instill in the, for the pilots that were going to be flying these aircraft. And, and, you know, clearly they, they continue to fly today and they're a huge part of the, um, you know, the military airframes uh, inventory. Um, But I wouldn't fly in one. The happy ending on it was that for this particular crash that Phil investigated, what, six months ago, a year ago, the uh, pilots were cleared of causing oh, the crash good. Uh, because they continued fighting that. And so the, Phil's investigation was a big part of that, which oh. was a super happy ending for the family. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah and it was, it was unfortunate. I mean, it was, it was a very tough time. Um, the Marine Corps laid off a lot of the blame on the pilots that were flying the mm, aircraft. Of course. And, I mean, when you when you do that, also and, sounds and, like a familiar story well, these yeah. days. And the you know the families of the pilots who also died in the aircraft, right. uh, those families sort of live with that. And Congressman Walter Jones, who passed away last year, uh, had championed getting their names cleared by the Department of Defense for over a decade. And wow. before he passed, uh, it's probably been about two years now. There was some closure for the families where the the Marine Corps came back and and for lack of a better term, cleared the pilots of any errors in the yeah. flying that took wow. place. So Good job, Phil. That's, uh, you know. That's a it's, win. It's not a trial, but it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting aspect of military law. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Tell me about the Romanian rock star. You know, they're interesting cases. I mean, they distill down to things that could happen right here in San Diego. I mean, it was it was a car crash. We had a a client who ran through a stop sign and hit a car that killed a uh, a very popular Romanian musician. In Romania? In, in, Romania? in, in Romania. And so I was still on active duty at the time, but, you know, we hopped on airplanes uh, after we got assigned to the case. We hopped on airplanes. We uh, flew to Romania. We were in Bucharest for about a, a week um, doing site investigations and interviewing witnesses and 
you know, kind of getting the lay of the land and, and what our client had experienced as, you know, he was driving this, uh, this dimly lit road at three o'clock in the morning with a blinking yellow light over the intersection, which to us means caution, sure. blinking yellow light. And there was a stop sign on the left-hand side of the road, and he's driving on the right-hand side. There was also a stop sign on the right-hand side of the road, but it was obscured by a tree. And um, he went through, he didn't see the stop sign on the left-hand side of the road and didn't see the one on the right-hand side of the road because of the tree. And in his mind, he was thinking, blinking yellow light, that means caution. And so he was not speeding, but mm -hmm. he went through the intersection and and hit this small little uh, taxi cab and unfortunately killed a guy in the back oh, of the car. Rats. And so the tough thing about that case is the fact that Phil had to overcome this huge sentiment. The guy who was was killed was was very beloved in the country. Oh. And so you have to come in as a foreigner, yes. as the outsider, and convince them that they should give, you know, that military service member a fair shot when wow. they killed someone that the country loved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there, there was a lot of sort of international political pressure on it. And, and when we went to court, I mean, it was purely, it was a sad case. I mean, somebody yeah. somebody died and we respected that. And, you know, the way that we defended the case was, you know, not not every accident is a crime. And it was truly an accident. He wasn't, he wasn't drinking and driving. He wasn't speeding. We had experts that testified about the reaction time from when he could have possibly seen the, mm -hmm. uh, the taxi cab enter the intersection till his foot hit the brake, that even if it would have been the very fastest that would be within the realm of uh, an expert opinion. He still would have been all the way through the intersection. So it was really one of those situations where it was just an accident. It, it was just an accident. Wow. And so he was acquitted of the negligent homicide charge. And uh, there were some other things that he was dealing with, but that was certainly the most serious charge. And the Romanian people were very upset about yeah. it. And we could certainly understand why, but in our system. You know, he was found not guilty. And so, wait, was he tried over there or over here? He was tried here in the States. He was tried in Virginia. So he was a, a oh. Marine embassy guard. So he had the equivalent of diplomatic immunity, and mm -hmm. he was uh, removed from the country very shortly after the accident. But an investigation ensued both by the Romanian authorities and by the U.S. authorities. Mm -hmm. And based upon that investigation, they did charge him with negligent homicide. And so he was facing the military equivalent of a felony court. And that's where we defended him. And? Oh, he was acquitted. We and said he, that. Yeah, Sorry. he was acquitted of the negligent homicide. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. Wow, Phil, you have such an interesting, really, it's such an interesting practice. And Renee must be, I'm not going to say it's fun because obviously a lot of these things are not fun, but it it just seems like. Mentally and stimulating, engaging. Yeah, right, um, right. Yeah. It's incredible. One, to be in a military court, which is very, very different, um, oh, following yeah. the UCMJ and the rules that they have. I mean, it's a whole different yeah. whole different ballgame. So it's been really interesting to learn that and then to watch Phil um, in his craft. I mean, he really is. Yeah, you're just, learning he's, from the master. He's a master. Yeah, he really is. And, and it drives him. I mean, he cannot handle this right no, now. he's right he's again. Like, he's he, right again. He cannot. He does not understand how truly, truly talented he is. And so it's amazing to be able to watch and learn That's from him. That's probably one of the things that makes him such a great lawyer. Yeah, I think so. Um, so do you, do you spend a lot of time at dinner talking about cases? And is it, you know, on the right in, on the right out? How do you guys balance this interesting and passionate, work life that you have with your personal life and a little baby nugget? 
Yeah. Balance is hit or miss. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, we try and we're cognizant of it. Um, we have scheduled a date night or a date day, uh, one day a month where we drop the kid off at daycare and then we have a day together. Awesome. Um, and That's important. And that's been really interesting. That's a new thing we did this year. But we do. We talk work the whole way down, the whole way home, dinner, bed, you know, as you're getting yeah, ready to go to sleep. Of course. Uh, in the shower, what I mean, whatever you're it is. together, twenty four seven. We are, yeah, and, and you things, like each other. Well, the the really cool thing is when you have one of those thoughts, like you have an epiphany, right? It's like, oh, what about this? Then the person is right there to be able to right. say it to, right. and that's priceless sometimes because that has been some of the best brainstorming ever. Is well, what about this and what about that and back and forth. Where other times it's like, okay, this is the last question about the case, and then we're done for the night, okay? <laughs> um, and we try to run away sometimes, so we go to Vegas and things like that, and it's a little bit easier to disconnect when we're sort of away. Yeah. Yeah. I think you guys do it right. Last question for you. What do you think Gabe will be? So my plan... <laughs> I knew she'd have a plan. <laughs> not, that I, not that I have a plan or well, I have expectations wait, for my child. We know that whatever you're about to say is going to start with, he can be whatever he wants and yes. we're going to support him. Yes. But in my world of dreams. Yes. The kid has a great arm. He really does. He can throw a ball like nobody else. We have a small chihuahua and he likes to throw, throw the chihuahua. The, the chihuahua. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, but mostly the kidding, ball for the chihuahua. Kidding animal law listeners. Uh, <laughs> kidding. You know how much I love dogs. But uh, in mommy's world, he's going to uh, be an MLB pitcher, uh, make $20 million uh, by the time he's 22, go to college, and then he can do whatever the heck he wants that makes him happy. Perfect. Yes. But and hopefully not a lawyer. <laughs> I'll support all that. Yeah. You can get behind any of that. Good. I was going to say, um, it's probably going to fly in my face. He loves animals. I bet he'll be a zookeeper, and that's Aww. cool, too. Yeah, yeah. He's obsessed with animals. I always wanted to be a veterinarian. I just couldn't deal with the sick animals. Like, I would only have oh, been I able can't. to be yeah. a veterinarian for healthy, healthy happy, happy animals. animals. So I applaud all the veterinarians that, yeah, that are able job. to do another tough job. I really appreciate the two of you coming in. It's been really fun. Thanks cool. for having us. Yeah. Yeah. I want you back. <laughs> I want more cool military cases and stories because I just think that's amazing. We have a bunch. Yeah, you do. Tell everybody how they can find, friend, or follow you. So uh, RNG Stackhouse is my Twitter handle. I'm on Instagram, also RNG Stackhouse, and Facebook, Stackhouse APC, and Renee Stackhouse. And it's Renee at, guess what, stackhouseapc.com. <laughs> I think the easiest, simplest way to find me is at militarydefender.com and stackhouse at militarydefender.com. Awesome. Well, I can't thank you both enough for coming on and talking to us. It's been really fun. Thanks, Adriana. Thank you. Thank you for listening to New Solo on Legal Talk Network. If you like what you've heard today, I'd really love for you to subscribe, share, rate, and give us a good review on iTunes. We'll see you next time. And remember, you're not alone. You're New Solo. Thanks for listening to New Solo with host Adriana Linares. Tune in again to learn more about how to successfully run your new practice. Solo, here on Legal Talk Network. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.
If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.